Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in some of my recent episodes, I took a look at it and I realized that some of the subject matter was kind of dark. So I thought I would find something a little bit lighter for this episode as the last one airing in the month of January as we move into bitter February, which is usually bitter and cold here in Michigan anyways. And I was exploring some old stories and history write-ups in a newspaper called the Sunday Journal, which the only records of are from the 1908 year available at the Willard Library. But this particular paper always had some really great stories or history articles of the time or looking back in time. And the article that I'm going to share today is one that was written by a lady by the name of Lella F. Secor, and it's called Lunch Hour at the Postum Cereal Plant. And this was published on February 23rd, 1908. So come along and join me. This is kind of a lighthearted one and a fun one. So the Postum Cereal Company was founded in 1895 by C.W. Post. So by 1908, the company had been around for over a decade, and they had quite a factory. There still is the Post Cereal Factory in Battle Creek today. And at this time, in this point in history, at 1908, it was still called the Postum Cereal Plant. So the name Post eventually became the name of the company, but at this point in history, it was Postum Cereal Plant. And apparently, it was a revolutionary idea to have a dining room to feed your employees rather than have all your employees go home for lunch on lunch hour and come back. And this was a novel idea of the time. So Miss Lella F. Secor wrote an article about it, and it appears that she paid a visit to the lunchroom and took down some notes. So here we go. In a dining room provided by the company, the employees are privileged to satisfy their hunger, splendid appointments, and less-than-cost prices, a democratic daily gathering. When the 12 o'clock whistles announced that the morning work is over and that an hour of rest is at hand, the employees in at least one office in the city do not greet the noon hour with the prospect of a cold lunch washed down with a drink of cold water as an alternative to a long walk home with barely five minutes in which to enjoy the midday meal. The management of the Postum Cereal Company and the Grandin Advertising Agency has provided for its employees a cozy lunchroom in the basement of the handsome building occupied by the advertising agency, and here dinners are served every day for the minimum sum of 15 cents. Um, said one of the neatly dressed stenographers with a suppressed yawn as she looked at her watch. Five minutes of twelve. Wonder what we're going to have for dinner. I was just out in the back room and I didn't smell anything I recognized. She gathered up a handful of finished letters ready for the signatures and one by one the merry click of the other typewriters ceased. I hope it's roast pork, volunteered another in a low voice. 
just as the factory whistles announced the noon hour. The whistles were the signal for a general exodus, some who lived nearby going to their homes and a large number finding their way to the lunchroom. Such a cozy, social sort of place to spend the noon hour. Warm in the winter season and delightfully cool in the summer, one is certain to find an appetite within its walls. The walls are tinted in light colors, a dark red velvet red carpet covers the floor, and the tables are always arranged in snowy linen and good china and silver. Eight small tables seat four guests each and one larger, which by way of distinction is adorned with a cluster of flowers. It is reserved for the officers of the company who share the lunch with the employees. They are served without leaving their table, while the other workers receive each course from the counter and remove their own dishes when through, a matter, however, of small inconvenience. Same groups each day. Nearly every noon, each table is occupied by the same group of friends who are especially congenial and often linger for social chat when the repost is over, when the men sometimes stop for cigars and cigarettes. Three courses are always served, consisting of soup, meat, potatoes, a vegetable, and dessert. Postum cereal with cream and sugar is served free of charge so that the employees are privileged to bring their own lunches if they desire and have a hot drink and the use of the tables. A dish of soup with crackers may also be secured for three cents. First come, first serve seems to be the rule for the patrons. Stand in line before the counter, which is hung with white curtains over heavy brass rods, and many good-natured sallies pre-exchange while waiting for next. No distinction is made of those who receive the highest salaries below the officers. In fact, they often wait while the smallest salary girl is served. Mrs. Mitchell, or Lily, as she is familiarly known among the employees, the faithful cook prepares the dinners and enveloped in a big immaculate apron and crowned with a snowy white cap. She caters to the likes and dislikes of her patrons in a patient manner. She has a warm place in the hearts of all the employees, for she is kind and considerate. She comes to have a personal interest in the young ladies, too, and when they are ill with headaches and colds, with true instinct of the southern mammy, she prepares old-fashioned remedies, which she declares are excellent for such ailments. The patrons very often stop to give her a word of praise when some dish has been especially good. Bless your heart, honey, was it? She said when a young woman had complimented her on the dessert. Then she continued in a low voice, Say, honey, you know, I see him every night waiting for his car when he goes home, and he always asks about you. I tell him if you ate a good-sized dinner, and then he looks glad like if you didn't have no appetite, he's mighty sorry looking, and says he hopes you ain't sick. She chuckled merrily, and her coal black eyes shone with delight. The young woman laughed, too. You tell him tonight that I ate a big dinner this noon, and I'm feeling fine, will you, Lily? Deed I will, was the parting reply.
A merry yet subdued chatter of voices in this room. At the noon hour, the merits of the dinner are always discussed. Um, tomato soup, just my kind, declares one. And um, I don't like parsnips. Don't some of you girls want mine, comes from another table. And then, when everyone has passed the opinion, the girls turn their thoughts to harmless gossip and dress and social events, while the men discuss business or political matters. Oftentimes, business crowds itself into the noon home, and when signatures are necessarily immediately, papers, pen, and ink are sometimes brought to the table of the officials who devote even the time between courses to the transactions of business. It's just this way, explained one of the business workers who had not had time for dinner as he placed the papers before the official. He wants to get away on the Wolverine, to close up the other deal, the Wolverine was a train that ran through town. And this has got to be pushed through by one o'clock today, or it's lost entirely. Then all the men turned their attention to the question at hand, and the conversation was continued in a lower tone, which was lost to those at the other tables, who indeed paid little heed to it, for they were themselves busily engaged. A dull day visitor. A frequent visitor in the lunchroom is Peter, the pet dog of one of the officials of the company. He is fed crackers from the table after he has duly begged for them, and later, while his master is being served, his wants are attended to in a more substantial manner, his table being laid in the kitchen. Are you going to the colonial party, asked one girl of another during the course of dinner. I don't know. It depends entirely upon whether or not I get an invitation. I'm rather looking for a call, though, when I go upstairs, replied the other with a suspicious blush. Oh, do go and wear an old-fashioned costume, urged a third. I'm going to. Grandmother has the dearest gown that she wore when she was a girl. In fact, I think it was her wedding gown. The whole suit is complete. Hoop skirts, lace, kerchief, poke, bonnet, and little high-heeled slippers. They're a perfect fit, except the slippers, and I can just squeeze. Oh, goodness, I'm going to be the last one in line if I don't hurry with this soup. Did you go to the dance last night, asked a young woman at a table as she poured some cream into her steaming cereal. See how they plug the cereal there? <laughs> Did you see who Mr. B had with him? I should say I did. I wonder who she is. I heard she was a grass widow from east somewhere. She's certainly a dashing young thing, if that's the case. She is pretty, but I don't like her manner at all. I don't see what he finds so attractive about her. He... I wonder what kind of dessert that is. Looks like something with oranges in it. You ready for yours? I'll get it for you when I get mine. And so the chatting continues until one subject and then another is exhausted until the end of the meal. After dinner, there is still a half hour remaining for recreation. And the girls spend it in various ways. Large, luxurious, sleepy hollow chairs and sofas, which furnish the main room, are afforded a delightful place in which to take a nap or enjoy the latest magazines, which are always at hand. Some of the girls bring their needlework, and many mysterious creations 
are made during the spare moments at the noon hour. Still others in groups of two or three take a walk, usually visiting a nearby grocery and purchasing candy and sweets. The lunchroom is not designed as a source of financial benefit, and indeed the company does not clear the expenses which are attached to it. It was established about four years ago solely for the convenience of the employees, and no one else is admitted. Factory and office employees alike are made welcome, but the work of the factory girls is of such a nature that they cannot dress as nicely while at work as the office girls, and rather than to appear at a disadvantage, they seldom patronize it. Another dining room. To meet this condition, a dining room has been established in the bakery for the factory girls, and hot postum cereal and sugar is served free of charge each day. The hot drink, making their cold lunches much more palatable. From four to five gallons of the cereal coffee is made daily, and on stormy days, much more of it is necessary. The girls who work by the piece do not indulge in much sociability at noon, since their time is in reality money, and besides, they eat their dinners at any time they choose. But those who receive wages have quite an enjoyable time as the office girls, napping or sewing and discussing all the latest fads and fancies, the new spring styles, and their acquaintances in general. And that is the end of that article, which gives you a little insight into some of the life at Postum Cereal Plant in 1908 and the social customs and social graces, at least what was being expressed or permitted to be expressed in the Sunday Journal during that time period in history, which was a very cordial and polite style of writing. It also comes across as more of a social page than anything else, perhaps a guideline of how social interaction is supposed to be. And she may have interviewed some of the ladies that worked at the Postum Cereal Factory when she wrote the article. Or maybe she just invented it completely out of thin air. But it does seem like she had some inside knowledge of how the system of the lunchroom worked. But it's interesting to look back in time at history when these things that we take so common today were new at that period. And also, women working in the factories was kind of a new thing in the beginning of the 1900s. As we move into the industrialized period of America, coming out of the Victorian era, the Victorian era ended in 1901 with the death of Queen Victoria. And at the tail end of the Victorian era, we see the beginnings of the industrialized age and, of course, the industrial period followed the Victorian era. And the industrialized age is said to have officially finished at the end of the 1990s with the fall of the Berlin Wall, which is attributed as the end marker of the industrialized age and moving into more of a computer age. And so in 1908, we have women moving into factories and not so many working on farms as industrialization changed that. And it's just an interesting insight. And Postum Serial was a, Postum was a coffee substitute, and they also referred to it as a cereal. So I guess perhaps it was prepared a little bit thicker for when you wanted to eat it as a cereal. I'm not entirely sure. I know there was also other products that they were producing in the factory too, and there were different levels of Postum. So maybe 
the coffee substitute was one of the things that they were making available for free with sugar for people and cream. So that's going to conclude today's episode. It's just a very short episode on a very interesting narrow subject, but I wanted to put an episode out that explored a little bit more of the social life at the time period as well in the early 1900s in this area of Michigan. So if you would like to reach out to me, you can always find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please take some time to leave a review or perhaps a comment or two on the uh, app that you are listening on, whether it be Spotify or the Apple app or some other one out there. And until next time, when we take a journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening. <laughs>